Hey everyone, and welcome to another week of my podcast. It's so good to have you with me. Thanks for listening in. We're going to continue talking more about what we talked about last week, about walking in the light and walking in the fullness of the Spirit in trying and difficult times. You know, these are trying and difficult times, but this is also a great time to be alive. I want to encourage you to focus on what the Lord is doing during this time, because we can a lot of times get all caught up with how bad the world is and how bad things seem to be going and what the enemy is doing and how difficult and and just hard everything is. Or we can focus on what the Lord is doing. His kingdom at, is at work in the earth today. His hand is at work in the earth today. God is moving. God is doing a new thing. God is doing great things in these last days. And if you're not careful, you can get so focused on the negative and what's going on in the natural world, which is what the enemy wants you to do, and take your eyes off of what Jesus is doing, off of what God is doing. Take your eyes off and get distracted from what the Lord is doing. And I think that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to distract the body of Christ from what the Lord is doing in these last days, what the Lord is saying in these last days. And so we need to keep our focus on what the Lord is doing and not look at the presence of the enemy. You know, I've said it before, faith looks at the Lord and looks at what he's provided for us at the table of the Lord. In Psalms 23, it says he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And so faith looks at the table. Faith looks at what the Lord has done. Faith looks at what the Lord is doing and not at the presence of the enemy. And, you know, the enemy's out there. The enemy is trying to deceive the hearts of many. He's come down with great wrath, the scripture says, in these last days. And he's bringing counterfeit things against the body of Christ. He's bringing uh, deception and all these devices against the world and against the church. And yet he is under our feet. He is defeated. He's under the feet of Jesus, which means he's under the feet of the church. And so he has no power over us. He has nothing he can do to us. The only thing he can do is deceive and distract. And if and that's his whole goal. If he can deceive and distract you from the truth, then he can take over in your life. He can win victory over your life or win victory in your life. And what his goal is, is to get you out of the plan of God so that you never fulfill what God has called you to do. But thank God that he is defeated. Jesus spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of him openly, triumphing triumphing over him in it, Colossians says in Colossians 2.15. And so we need to be focusing on what the Lord has done, the victory that is ours. We need not to be deceived or distracted. And the way that we keep ourselves from being deceived and distracted is through the Word of God and by listening to the Word of God and by listening to the Holy Ghost that's on the inside. What is He saying and what is He doing? Can you say amen? And so it is possible to to live and walk in the light and live and walk in the victory no matter what you're facing or no matter what you're going through or no matter how bad it seems. And, you know, living and walking in the light takes faith, the life of faith that we're all called to live. We're called to live and walk by faith. The scripture says the just shall live by faith. 
But if any man draw back, Hebrews 10, my soul will have no pleasure in him. And so drawing back is what the enemy is trying to get the church to do, to draw back, to hold back, to pull back from walking and living out our God-given destiny and our God-given vision. And we have to be wise enough in the scripture and wise enough in the truth to stay with what we know, to stay and hold on, to not be moved. You know, the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Take unto you the whole armor of God, wherewith you may be able to stand against the wiles. That literally means cunning devices of the enemy. For we wrestle not, it says, against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, or therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. The evil day is the day of temptation. And, you know, there are going to be days of temptation in our life. We can't believe God or use our faith to to not have evil days or days of temptation in our life. Because of where we're at, because of proximity, and because we're in the world, we're going to face days of temptation. Because we live for Christ, because of what we carry and who we are in Christ, we are going to face affliction and persecution. And every single one of us is going to face challenges from time to time. But it's what we do in the face of that challenge. It's what we do in the face of that storm. And the scripture says that we're called to withstand in the evil day. But we're not going to be able to withstand in the evil day if we're not putting on the armor of God and walking in the word of God and walking wisely in the things of God. Ephesians, like we said earlier, chapter 6, verse 10, I think that's a good place to start tonight. It says, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now people a lot of times say, well, I'm just trying to be strong. I'm trying to, to hold on. But it never said in that verse, verse 10, to be strong in and of yourself. It never once said to be strong in yourself or try to be strong. No, it says to be strong in the Lord. Our strength isn't in ourself, it's from the Lord. We're to be strong in the Lord. If we're outside of the Lord or not, be, not looking to the Lord or waiting on the Lord, then our strength will leave us, that God-given strength and grace that we're called to live in. No, it says to be strong in the Lord, not in your own might, and in the power of His might and not your own. His might and not your own. Put on the whole armor of God, verse 11, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And like I said earlier, that literally means the cunning devices of the devil. Cunning devices. Now, we talked about earlier how he, he's a deceiver, right? And he tries to distract. And he's crafty. And what he does is he brings cunning devices against the body of Christ, against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, to try to deceive and to try to move them out of their place. To move them out of the place that God has put them in. And it happens every time. It happens all the time amongst believers. It happens, and I've seen it take place multiple times. Uh, I grew up in a pastor's home. I was raised in church and sat under a pastor in his ministry. Not just a pastor, but my dad was called to a pastor uh, office. 
And I watched him pastor a church for many years, and I've seen how he's handled things. And I've seen how he, how people come through the church, like we say, revolving doors. I've seen people come and go through the church. And I've watched and observed that people, a lot of times, sincere Christians, honest Christians who love God and want to serve him, they are in their place. They were led to their to this the church or they're led to get into their place and they have a role in their in the body of Christ. And I've watched them as time goes on begin to be deceived and distracted by other things and moved out of their place by other things. And it's so crafty and it's so deceptive. Because remember, like I've always said, the enemy doesn't come at you when he wants to tempt you. He doesn't come at you with red horns, a black cape, and a pitchfork in his hand. No, he's not coming to you like the devil. He's coming to you in a crafty, deceptive, seducing sort of way. Remember what I said to you uh, last week in 1 Timothy chapter 3, I believe it is. The verse, first verse, in the last days, perilous times shall come. Or it, and it also says that there will be seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I'm sorry, it's 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. It says that now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So is that scriptural? They'll try to seduce you. They'll try to deceive you. Absolutely. Through your flesh and through your soul and They'll try to draw you away through crafty, cunning devices, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And so watch people as they, they they're, for a while and for a time, they stand in their place, they're operating in their place, they're even enjoying the things of God. And the Lord is blessing them, but then over time, something gets in the way. Something comes up against them and it's crafty or it's deceitful. And it can come in a number of different forms. It may come in the form of persecution from other people. I've seen a lot of people get persecuted by their family and others, friends and other things. And because of persecution, they're drawn away. I've seen people give up because of affliction, which is a device of the enemy to, to, that bombards them with different devices, spiritual attacks from the enemy. I've seen people go away because of opportunities that were not from God. They're, they looked like great opportunities in the natural, maybe a new job, maybe a new opportunity. And it was just a deceptive thing to try to take them away from the house of God. And I, you know, we ought to be asking ourselves the question, not where is my job, not where is my, you know, where is the best place I can live to make money or what the best place where I can be around my family or anything. We ought not to be asking those questions. We ought to be asking, where's my church? Where has God placed me? Where am I called to be? Where does God want me to be? Because it's in that place that we'll truly be blessed and truly thrive in the plan of God. But see, the enemy will come at us in different ways and in different times. Times. A lot of times he'll come at us when we're facing hardships. When, you know, in season or out of season. But a lot of times it's out of season where we're facing stuff. And then the enemy comes in that season, in that time when it's just really hard. And he says, see, things are hard. Why don't you give up? Why don't you quit? And people do. They give up because of hard times. They give up in the in the difficult times and are led astray. And these cunning devices, that's what the enemy is going to be throwing at us. But the scripture says we're able to stand if we put on the, the armor of God. 
And what is the armor of God? Well, the armor of God is our protection against these these cunning devices. It says in verse 12, Ephesians 6, 12, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now that word wrestle there, a lot of times people think, well, that means I'm I'm in a struggle against the enemy. I'm in a fight against the enemy. But really, if you dig a little deeper and begin to study it out, that literally means to wrestle means that it means to sway or to try to move somebody out of their old position that they're already in. And what does that tell us? Well, it tells us that the body of Christ, it lines up with scripture. The body of Christ is already victorious, already won the fight, standing in the victory. And the enemy's trying to move us out of our place, get us to sway, get us to, to give up and give in. And so it's not a wrestle to gain victory, but it's a wrestle or a fight to hold the victory that's already ours. And, it, you know, the only way that we can be moved out of our place is if we listen to and give in to the cunning devices of the devil. But if we stand on the word and refuse to consider those other things, can refuse to be distracted, refuse to be deceived and not listen to those cunning devices, then we'll stand and not be moved. It says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. What are we wrestling against? What is trying to move us out of our place? Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. We don't have time to teach on it, but these are four different classes of evil spirits, or we could say ranks of evil spirits that are operating in the earth today. Principalities and powers are the lower class of demons and evil spirits. They're like what I like to say, seducing spirits. They follow and try to dog people's tracks and try to seduce them by their flesh or seduce them in their soul to try to get them out of their place. And then we got rulers of darkness of this world, which they rule over cities and nations that are not walking in the light. Nations and cities and places where governments are being controlled by the enemy. And we've seen places like that where there's whole nations or whole places where people, they just, they, they listen to and follow the enemy and do wicked, evil things. There are a lot of wicked, evil nations out there and places that do wicked, evil things. And it's all because of the rulers of darkness of the world that are trying to control governments. And then there's spiritual wickedness in high places, which is even higher class. And that is even beyond the other three classes. And like I said, we don't have time to teach on it, but we need to be aware that the enemy is out there and not be afraid of him, but know to stand against him. And to exercise our authority in Christ. Because like I said, remember earlier, in Colossians chapter 2 verse 15, Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. Made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. I remember something that Jesus said in Luke chapter 10. He said in verse 27, I saw Satan fall like lightning out of heaven. He said, behold, I give unto you power. To tread upon serpents and scorpions. Well, what is serpents serpents and scorpions? Serpents and scorpions in the word of God, and, and I'm reading from a King James translation, they are representations of demons and evil spirits. In other words, serpents and scorpions, we, we could also call them de- devils, demons, and evil spirits. 
a lot of times in the Word of God, when you see that, you'll see that is synonymous term with demons and evil spirits. And so Jesus said in Luke 10, it was uh, verse 19, not 27, but in Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give unto you power, Jesus said, to tread upon serpents and scorpions, or we could say demons and evil spirits, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So again, putting it in a proper perspective in the in the its proper place, we've already got the victory. We've already been given the authority and the power. We the Satan has no control over us. We've been delivered from the power of darkness, translated into the kingdom of his dear son, the kingdom of God. So we're delivered from that darkness. The world is still in darkness, the church is in the light. But now I want to show you something else in Luke 10, 19. Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions. Well, now that almost sounds like, if people read that, it almost sounds like we have to physically have power to exercise over the enemy. Almost like there's a struggle and we're, we have to be stronger than the enemy. But no, if you look up that word power, it literally means authority. Look it up in your Greek concordance later or study it out. That word power there literally means authority. So if we read it that way, behold, I give unto you authority to tread over serpents and scorpions or demons and evil spirits and over all the power of the enemy. Now that word power, the second power there in verse 19 literally means the power that Satan has, not authority. So it's a different word there. But see that Jesus gave us authority to tread upon demons and evil spirits. And so it's not power like we have to use our might against the might of the enemy. No, no, it's authority exercised over the name, over demons and evil spirits in the name of Jesus. So we're not struggling. We're not fighting for victory. We're not trying to gain or obtain victory. No, we're the triumphant church. We're the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that is already victorious. Jesus has already put all things under his feet. God has put all things under the feet of Jesus, which means it's been put under the feet of the church. And so therefore we just walk and exercise the authority that's been given to us. Can you say amen? And so we have the authority. We have the the right to exercise the authority, the same authority that Jesus exercised over demons and evil spirits. The same exact authority that Jesus exercised when he walked the earth, whenever he cast demons out, whenever he told them they had to leave. He That same authority that he operated in, he passed on to his church, his body, those who come into Christ. And, you know, in Matthew 28, talks about how he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into all. Behold, you can go in my name, he said. Go in my name. Go with what I've given you. And, you know, what Jesus gave us was his authority and his power. Go, verse uh, chapter 28, Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power. That word power there literally means authority again. Same word as what we read earlier in Luke 10, 19. It's the same word, meaning authority. All power or all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. I mean, if he stopped right there, we would have said, well, Jesus has all authority. 
But no, he look at verse 19. It says, go ye therefore. Well, what, what literally just happened there in verse 19 is Jesus delegated his authority to the church. He delegated his authority to the body of Christ so that they can operate in the same exact authority that he operated in. And so instead of being moved by these things, we need to be exercising authority over these things. And, you know, walking in the word is walking in the light. And when people have understanding and light on the subjects we're talking about, then they can live that out and walk in a, a greater level of blessing. Because, see, so many times Christians are pushed around and shoved around and beat up by the devil, so to speak, because of ignorance. And people are moved out of their place because of yielding to the devil and yielding to evil spirits. And they don't even realize that they're the cunning devices of the enemy that they're yielding to. They think that they're leading their own life. They think that they're making their own choices. But really, it's the enemy behind their choices. It's the enemy that's working to lead and, got, and to take them off track. You're listening to me. But we're supposed to be led by the Spirit of God. We're supposed to be directed by the Spirit of God. We're supposed to be... In being guided by, walk in the guidance of the Holy Ghost and not be led by or pushed around by circumstances or struggle or trouble of any kind. We're not supposed to be pushed or driven by anything or even led out by opportunity, but only led and directed by the Holy Ghost. And it's important. This will save a lot of marriages. This will save a lot of families. This will save a lot of people from getting sick. This will save a lot of financial problems. This will save you from wasting years of life. This will save you if you learn to be led by the Spirit of God. You know, the Lord has dealt with me in my life to follow His Spirit in every area of life. Not to to go, do make any decisions or do anything without acknowledging God and acknowledging him for what I should do. And I've made tremendously wonderful decisions as a result of being led by the Spirit of God. I know that financially, the Lord has been able to increase me because I was led by the Spirit of God. I know that in where I needed to be, where I needed to live in different times, the Lord has led me and directed me. When it comes to buying and purchasing cars, the Lord has led and directed me. Whenever I was trying to make a decision on relationships. The Lord has led me and directed me. You know, over and over again, the Lord has been faithful to show me exactly what I need to do. And I know from experience that whenever I decided to do my own thing and go my own way, that I got off and got out of place with the Lord and out of step with the Lord, and it cost me in different ways. Whenever I decided not to follow the Holy Ghost, it cost me in many different ways. And, you know, we don't need to be costing, we don't need to be wasting time or losing time. And we don't want to pay unnecessary costs because we weren't led by the Spirit of God. We need to make sure that we're following Him every single day. And, you know, it may take time. You may have to wait on the Lord. People don't always want to wait on the Lord like they used to be taught and trained. We used to be taught and trained to wait on God, but people a lot of times they're so busy and they're so careless in their life and they're so they're so distracted in life that they don't want to take the time to wait on him. 
And as a result, they're blindly going through life, blindly going through life, making their own choices and and falling and tripping up time and time again. I remember a little while back that I wanted to, to buy a certain uh, vehicle and I was so interested in getting this vehicle because I looked cool. It was exactly what I wanted and or what I thought I wanted and needed. And I was the price was good. It seemed good. And I um, was just so interested in purchasing this. And I had started to work the deal out with the individual that was selling it. But, you know, I went to bed one night and I was still in the process of figuring this whole thing out. And I just had a check down on the inside. Don't buy that. That's not it. Don't do that. Well, I reasoned that it was okay to buy it. It just I just reasoned it away. I d- said in my mind, well, there's nothing wrong with this vehicle. I've checked it out. I've looked at it. It seems good. It seems right. And so I reasoned away the guidance that I had in my spirit. And as a result, I purchased this vehicle. And this vehicle ended up costing me a lot of money and a lot of time trying to fix it. And, you know, it can cost you financially if you make decisions on your own without the Lord. It can cost you your health if you make decisions without the Lord. It can cost you your time if you don't wait on the Lord. And so as a result, I made a mistake about that vehicle and it cost me. But the Lord is so gracious to get us back around. Um, One time I was with a certain individual and I had gone on a few dates with this person and it seemed fun and we were having a great time but I asked the Lord about this certain person this was years ago many years ago and the individual was such a great Christian a person of God um she was in the church she was serving God and it just seemed good but I asked the Lord about it I said Lord what do you think about this certain person and the Lord down on the inside he spoke to me and he said no now the Lord doesn't have to give an explanation he doesn't have to give you an explanation why he's saying no he just simply told me no But again, I'm talking about my mistakes. I reasoned away the guidance that I had. And I said, well, there's no reason in the world why I shouldn't be with this person. Why? What's wrong with them? They're a great Christian. They love God. They're serving God. We have a great time together. Well, I reasoned away the guidance the Lord gave me. And as a result, cost me time, cost me money, cost me energy. And you know, I had to get back on track eventually. And I did get back on track. But the Lord will is, is very faithful to lead and guide all of his children. But so many times, they're not listening. The Lord always does his part. For as many as are led, Romans 8, 14, by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And verse 16 of that same opening says, the Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And so the Lord is faithful to do his part. He is faithful to lead and guide. But so many times, Christians aren't listening. They're not aware that he's even speaking to them because they're so clouded by other things. On the positive sense, I uh, remember when I first, years ago, when I was being led to go to Bible school, I I had finished high school, took a year off, was ready for the next step in life, and I wanted to know exactly what to do. And the Lord dealt with me about going to Bible school. And down on the inside, I just had the witness. Now, I'm not, there are times when the Lord will lead us in different ways. But the primary way in which he leads all of his children is through the inward witness. And the Lord led me by the inward witness. I had a knowing on the inside, I need to go to Bible school. And it was down in Oklahoma. And 
my mind picked up on what was being done. I had awareness that I needed to go, but in my mind, I'm thinking, how could I leave? My family's here. My job is here. And like I said, I grew up in a pastor's home and, you know, a lot as a growing up in a pastor's home and a peak as a PK, which we call pastor's kid, you, you get a lot of responsibilities thrust upon you and you you have a lot of things that you're doing. And I didn't want to leave an empty hole for the church and for my family. So I reasoned, how could I leave? I'm doing so much right now. If I leave, who's going to take my place? See, all these ideas, all these thoughts started coming against me. And I was, and as a result, you could think, well, I don't want to miss it. That's another thing. Christians are so concerned about missing it. They don't want to miss God. And, you know, they get fearful. They get afraid to miss it. And as a result, it brings a snare. It entraps them. And the enemy wants to push you into fear, but the Lord wants to lead you with peace. And I just was dealing with this for many weeks, trying to decide what was I going to do. You know, the deadline for signing up for Bible school is late August. You have to have your decision in. And it's it's in July that I'm in struggling with this decision. I've got to make a decision. We're coming close to the t- deadline. And so one night I'm spending time with the Lord, praying and reading his word. And the Lord gave me a scripture. And it was in Hebrews chapter 4. It said, those that are in faith are in rest. And we can look at that tonight, and we'll end with this. Hebrews chapter 4. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the gospel or the word preached did not profit them, because it was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed, verse 3, do enter into his rest. For we which have believed do enter into his rest. And as I'm reading along and looking at this scripture, the Lord spoke to me on the inside as I was studying and praying. He said, when you're in faith, you're in rest. If you're truly in faith, you're going to be in rest or in peace. And that's what the Lord was dealing with me about. You're trying to operate in faith. You're trying to believe me for guidance. And if you're truly believing me, if you truly believe my word, then you will be at rest and not be all concerned and fearful about what the decision is you're going to make. Well, I decided to get into rest. I chose to move my mind and my soul out of the way and to operate in the peace of God. And it wasn't much longer after that that the Lord spoke to my heart again and dealt with me very clearly to go to Bible school. And I knew that I was supposed to go. And, the, and as a result of going, the Lord took me higher. The Lord took me deeper into his thing, in the things of God. The Lord gave me great and wonderful opportunities while I was down in Bible school. Made great divine connections. People filled my place back home. People came up, rose up, and took my place. And there was such a great transition as a result. The Lord worked it all out. What am I telling us? We need to be led by the Spirit of God and not led by our own mind and our own feelings. We need to be led by the Spirit of God and follow what He is saying and not follow what other people are saying, not following what our mind is saying to us, our reason is saying to us. We need to follow the Holy Ghost. 
And that's when we truly find the greatest blessing in life. And I have so many stories that we could tell about being led by the Spirit of God. But I've, I can tell you this. Whenever I didn't follow the Holy Ghost and didn't follow the guidance that I had on the inside, it cost me greatly. But whenever I followed the Holy Ghost and obeyed the Holy Ghost, it blessed me immensely. And I went higher as a result. The Lord, if he does something in your life, if he's doing something in your life, if he's truly in whatever it is you're doing, then it will bless you first spiritually before it ever blesses you in any other way. Any blessing from the Lord will first bless you spiritually. But if it's not from the Lord, if it's not of the Lord, if the Lord's not in it, then it's going to cost you spiritually. You may be doing great financially in the natural world. You may be look like it seems like everything's going great in the natural world, but if it's not of God, even if it looks great on the outside, it will cost you spiritually. You will not be where you're supposed to be spiritually. You will be suffering spiritually. Anything from God will first bless you spiritually. So be encouraged, people. Be aware that the Lord wants to lead you and guide you and direct you. And we need to be focusing on what he's doing in the earth today and not what other people are doing, not what society is doing, not what the world is doing. Be led by the Spirit of God and not driven and pushed and deceived by the enemy. Guys, hope you enjoyed this. You can follow our ministry, my ministry on uh, Facebook and YouTube. You can visit our website, stephenoverbaugh.com. And there's a lot of different um, updates and information about ministry trips and things coming up, events taking place on Facebook and YouTube. You can follow us and watch videos and, and just be fed by the Word of God and the ministry that's coming forth. Stephen Overbaugh Ministries was something the Lord dealt with me to start. He led me to start it. And as a result, it's blessed so many different people. And so I trust that this was a blessing to you. And I thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time.